It's time for the Diamond in the Rough podcast with your hosts, Dan Collins. They were sitting around the campfire or the fireplace. And Sam Ostrowski. Can you imagine if we did live shows? Diamond in the Rough podcast, episode nine. Dan Collins, Sam Ostrowski, your typical crew, have a very, very, very fun show for all the lovely listeners here tonight. At least I feel it's going to be a fun show, Sam. Yeah, it should be. You should have added about five more varies to that. Yes, so very to the seventh power, good show here. We're in a great mood. We have an awesome interview for everyone coming up. And not only that, Sam, we are in the beginning stages of spring training. This is a baseball prospect-related podcast, I should say. We remind the listeners of that all the time. Anything catching your eye at spring training, I'm actually going to challenge you a little more by saying... Anything catch your eye in spring training that relates to some highly touted prospects? Of course we can do that. That's what we're one of the main things we're looking at. We're looking at all those non-roster invites to see what they're doing. I got to tell you, um, you know, you, you hate to be a, a, a basic by pointing out a home run, but boy, did Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers hit a bomb, just unloaded on the ball in what I believe was either his first or second game, I can't remember, and that that right there just showed me that that guy, he's ready. He's ready for the big leagues. He's ranked as the number 13 or 12 prospect, if I remember correctly. Um, I think the Alex Ray has been pushed back. They actually pushed him up one. And so far, loved seeing, even though it was just one hit, I loved seeing that. Uh, the Yankee prospects, pretty much all of them look great. Uh, there's a reason they have arguably the best farm system in the majors right now. So those are the two things that really stand out to me right now. Um, as far as the uh, some of the maybe the Chicago prospects, some of those pitching prospects, haven't seen a lot. Ronaldo Lopez got beat up a little bit today, I believe. I could have sworn the first name you were going to mention would have been Michael Kopech. Yeah, because he got blew, blown up a little bit too. Yes. He got blown up too. But. You're going to hate me. Everybody on the show is going to hate me because, quite frankly, the only thing I've really been paying attention to is White Sox baseball the past couple weeks. God damn it. Come on, Dan. I'm not feeling my obligation. I try, Sam. Expand, I try. Expand the boundaries. For future episodes, absolutely. Dan Collins is not only going to stick to his White Sox, but Lucas Giolito. Hello. He made his first start in spring training. Hello. Hello. <laughs> couple innings, like usual. Three hits, one run. It wasn't earned. Uh, walking a couple Ks. So oh, he gets his two innings worth of work. That's like the... In the Crosstown Classic? That is, yes, in the, in the in spring the, training Crosstown Classic. Yeah. That is typical operating procedure for everybody who knows baseball. It's your first start in spring training, get a couple innings. It's almost like you pitch the All-Star game and you're starting. You get your two innings, and then there you go. Then you go sit down. So as far as spring training goes, that's all I've been doing. I actually had plans. Check this out. I had plans to make it down to spring training this year. Strictly for my own entertainment purposes, not to cover. Why didn't things, you invite me? Not to cover things for the podcast. Well, let me tell you why I didn't invite you, Sam. I didn't invite you because I'm not there. Well, I guess so you're I'm not, not you're, going you anymore. You get to be here with me. the The amount of vacations that I just ixnay is incredible. I I had a planned trip to Ireland and England once that was scratched. I planned spring training about two or three times in my life scratched. I planned Vegas about two weeks ago. I think I, it was during the Super Bowl. I gave you a text message, and I invited you to Las Vegas with me. You did. That was very random. It was just a random night. I get, hey, you want to go to Vegas? Yes. Do you want to go to Vegas? And the typical answer that it would be, yes, but I can't. Right. Because I can't afford that. Because if anyone knows me well, 
I am a, a gambling man, to say the least, and uh, I get out of control once it's in so, front so of me. So you'd want to have a little bit of fun. You'd want to get a little will, frisky fact, risky. Uh, if we're going there, my brother's birthday was a couple days ago, and we actually went to Rivers Casino. What did you play? What's uh, your game of choice? It was all roulette. We played roulette pretty much the entire night. Really? The roulette wheel? Roulette's number one. Uh, blackjack, probably number two, but I always lose all my money in blackjack. Wow, man. That could be... So our next podcast is going to be, what game did I lose all my money on this time? <laughs> right. That's well, gonna be, and we could talk about how we lose it in blackjack and roulette and Pygao. Bakrat, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Bakrat, Bakrat. Right. I, I've never played, okay. so I couldn't tell you. All, all the listeners now know that we are degenerate gamblers and we waste a... Fun fact about me, really quick, before we get into our awesome interview. We promised an interview, didn't we, with Paul we DeYoung. Did. Super exciting. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. I guess I'll let you finish whatever you want to tell the people. That's fine, because that's coming their way in about a minute or two. You're not going to want to miss that. I talk a lot about sports gambling... Love the whole numbers and everything behind sports gambling. I want to go to Vegas just so I could sit in the sports book, smoke cigars. I let oh, you smoke cigars in the in the sports book. Um, God, I should know this. I you really there. should. I don't. Think now we so. sound like rookies. I, I, this I, is terrible. No, I'm no. They don't. They don't. I'm really? pretty, I don't. You know, you could do the the Barry Rosner. Uh, Barry Rosner from Six Times the Score everyone. and chain smoke who, cigars. Who just, he just bites. He just basically eats a damn cigar. Yeah, I could do that. You could just eat it. Regardless, I want to do that. That's like my goal. I want to go to Vegas so I can bet all these sports games. Never once have I... Everybody mentions Bovada. 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 Yes, Bovada is mentioned on the radio, in the papers, by Sam, by this friend, by that friend. Never touched a a sports game. Never bet on sports. That's actually unbelievable. It is. And, and, And I love looking into the numbers. I understand for the most part how it works. I would not be a winning man. I would lose. But... It's my whole goal to go to. My whole goal is to go to Vegas, but never touched any of these websites. Never went to Vegas, <laughs> although I would love to gamble on games. I'm a fan of losing money and just throwing it all out the window. But that's fine. We don't have to worry about that now because we can go into this kick butt interview with Paul DeYoung. Sam was jumping up and down like a little Girl Scout because it's his I former ISU Redbirds baby schoolmate. So exciting. It, 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 You'll get to hear a lot of great stuff coming out of Paul, to say the least. Um, I mean, he is a he is classy guy, to say the least. He very Absolutely. much. He's a professional. He knows what he's there for, and he is getting the job done. Just to remind all you, Paul DeYoung, utility infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, top 30 prospects for the St. Louis Cardinals just came out. He ranks number 11, and he also is considered their best power prospect in their farm system. The Cardinals, who were known to lack the power, uh, as far as their young players go. So he's someone they're really looking forward to. It sounds like he's impressing just about every scout and coach uh, and teammate that he's running into. So it looks like this spring training is going to do him really good, and hopefully we'll see him soon in the majors. Definitely agree with you on that one, and we will react to the interview. But first things first, we jump to the phone lines now with St. Louis organization's very own Paul DeYoung. All right, we are joined by St. Louis Cardinals prospect Paul DeYoung. He is currently in Florida with the St. Louis Cardinals during spring training. So first and foremost, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, before we get into all the fun excitement of spring training and whatnot, I kind of want to take you back because we are both Redbirds sitting here, so you know I have to (laughs) ask you some ISU questions. Uh, Something that comes up a lot when players are drafted is, 
should they come out of high school or should they go to college? You're obviously one of the people that went to college. So I simply want to ask you, well, what was it about going to college that truly helped you develop as a pro player? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I would say a lot of guys that uh, get drafted out of high school, it's, it's like black and white. You either pick really high and, and you know you're ready for pro ball or you're picked kind of later rounds and you're unsure and you get picked late. And, and those are the types of guys that uh, should go to college to develop more. And um, I wasn't a guy that was even considered for the draft out of high school, so my only option was to go to college. Part of this podcast now is revolved just simply around the love of the game of baseball. Take us through that every little leaguer's dream where one day you're playing wiffle ball in the backyard, next thing you know you're playing little league or pony, whatever it is uh, called while you're growing up, then you're an ISU Redbird, and before you know it, your name is called and you're part of an organization like the St. Louis Cardinals. If you possibly can... Take us through that kind of wave of emotions and what it feels like to one day you're that kid, the next day you're part of the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, the coolest thing about Little League, I actually played Pony. Um, I'm surprised you even know what Pony League is. I feel like that's a lost, uh, a lost art. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, the kids play on teams and they and they get their jerseys, right? And they get to play as, as a professional uh, MLB team. So I think it starts right there. And then you start looking at players, you know, watching baseball games on TV and you're like, wow, I, I want to do that. I, I think I can do it. And then you know, as you get older, you keep keep the love of the game and, you know, you still play wiffle ball with your buddies when you're 12 years old in the backyard. And, you know, it just kind of grows over time. And, um, you know, baseball for me has been one of those constants throughout my whole life. So, you know, I can't imagine doing anything else. And, and to, uh, you know, be picked by the Cardinals, uh, one of the best organizations in baseball, just, it was overwhelming at first, but then I just realized how great of an opportunity it was and, and how I was going to take advantage of it. And here I am in big league camp trying you know, to knock on the door. Paul, you said it right there. It's baseball nonstop, all day, every day, day in and day out. Um, so that being said, hitting the minor leagues, you never know where you're going next. But you never know where you're living for that matter. Uh, every day is a new day. So something that we really look at during this podcast is how – a young player like yourself is able to go through that grind of the minor leagues. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of give us an insight of what your grind's been like and how you've been able to, you know, kind of stay healthy and stay on top of things and always, always have that love for the game? Yeah, um, you know, I had a kind of an interesting path. My my signed uh, in June of 2015. I went to rookie ball, Johnson City, Tennessee, and um, just like the wagon wheel song. <laughs> Um, but I started there, and, you know, I, I had a really good start, and I quickly got promoted to Peoria. You know, that's when I started to realize what pro ball was about. You know, rookie league was a lot of young kids, some raw talent, but low A is when I started to see, like, you know, the actual game being played at a high level. You know, um, so that was kind of a quick season for me. It was just like 60 or 70 games, but last year is when I really experienced the so-called grind, and it was, um, you know, I was in Springfield all year. Texas League, long bus trips. Um, I played over 130 games. So for me, it was just about getting into a routine day in and day out so that, you know, by the time you got onto the field, your preparation work has, has been done, and all you had to do was go out there and play. You weren't worried about anything. You weren't thinking about anything else. You knew you had prepared the right way. So for me, it was about finding that routine to, you know, just day in, day out, same type of thing. Baseball players are very 
I wouldn't say superstitious. Some guys may be, but for me, it's more about routine and just you know keeping that constant process going. Well, luckily lately, things have been a little easier for you as you're down in Florida now in spring training. So if you just uh, take us through what the early part of spring training has been like for you. We look at the stat sheet already. Few runs scored, few hits. What's it been like? Are you feeling good out there? And is a little bit more steady of a pace. You mentioned that grind, you know, as a minor leaguer, but it's a little bit easier now that you're set in spring training down there in Florida and enjoying some time with the ball club. Yeah, um, the first uh, first week or so, it was pretty light. Uh, we were we weren't playing games at that point, so you know, just kind of getting up at early, um, not too early, but you know, get an early start, um, get to the park, you know, do your do your cage work, do your stretching, do your workouts, stuff like that, and then we would go down to the field. That's when you had the individualized stuff. For me, it, a lot of it was uh, defensive work at shortstop since they're uh, moving me around a little bit on the infield. But uh, recently. We've gotten into the game phase, and uh, that's become more fun because, you know, that's why we all do it. Practice is easy. Yeah, we got to go home at, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, but, um, you know, <laughs> you can only do so much with your free time down here, so I'd rather be playing games. But yeah. now I'm starting to really absorb, you know, the level of play, the you know, the high expectations and, you know, the kind of the efficiency that you expect to see at the big league level. Yeah, well, we definitely hope you're getting comfortable down there in Florida. I'm sure the weather... Is a lot better. It's actually snowing here in Illinois, so I think you're. I think you're doing <laughs> I heard all right. It was like in the 60s the other day. Yeah, you, well, for you. yeah. You you know how that goes, Paul. You said something yeah. in your last statement that really stood out. You talked about how they moved you to shortstop, which which was a super interesting move by the St. Louis. You've actually been really all over the place. You played some catcher in college. Uh, you mm-hmm. played a lot of third base, a lot of second base. You've been all over the place, so. Are you comfortable pretty much anywhere on the field, or do you have a position you'd rather play? And how's shortstop been going for you? Yeah, well, I'll give you my uh, brief history of shortstop. Um, I was pretty much a shortstop my whole life growing up and uh, through high school as well. And I went to Illinois State as a shortstop, and that's when they kind of moved me in my redshirt year. I learned how to catch, and then you know, I got moved around the infield a little bit, second base, third base, and very minor stint at shortstop with ISU, but... You know, I think uh, I bring value to a club with my ability to play multiple positions. Um, you know, I'll do anything at this point in my career, you know, to break into that into that Cardinals lineup at any position I can and then, you know, basically just hit enough to stay there and, and you know, find a way to get yourself in that lineup every day. So for me to be able to be comfortable at shortstop, you know, I think that will really add an edge to my, my game and um, put me to that next level. Paul, you're talking about you're talking about being someone who could bring value, as in you're versatile there in, in terms of being able to play everywhere all over the diamond. Besides that versatility, a lot of things we're reading about you. The consensus seems to be that you have great plate discipline. So can you just bring us through what your approach is at the plate? It, does it vary with whatever the pitcher is and the scouting reports, or do you always have somewhat of a set approach when you go up there? Because, like mentioned, you're known for having that great plate discipline. Yeah, and. Um... You know, that's something I'm always working on. It's it's like a never-ending, never-ending, it's a, you know, control the strike zone, I guess you would call it. Um, Plate discipline is another word. But really, it's for me, it's about getting a pitch that I can um, hit hit hard, base, usually for extra bases, with less than two strikes. And that's the only thing I'm looking for with less than two strikes. And that's where you get a little bit of variation, but that's the general idea. So if the pitcher's... You know, if he likes his slider and I know um, he's gonna, if I want to sell out on a slider with less than two strikes, then I'll do that. And I have the ability to um, 
you know, hit that pitch for extra bases. But for me, it's just about getting a good pitch to hit and taking until I have two strikes and then battle with two strikes. But, you know, that's what Ted Williams said, too. Just you have to get a good pitch to hit. That's the number one rule of hitting. And, um, you know, to control the strike zone, plate discipline, that's where that comes in where you're not swinging at those fringe pitches early in the count and get yourself in holes because that's where we all fall into trouble is when we start giving pitchers strikes that they shouldn't get and then, you know, they don't have to even throw you a strike to get you out. So that's, you know, kind of a slippery slope that I try to avoid. So, Paul, what's the first thing you look at when you're in the batter's box? First thing I look at, um, I'll usually step down or look look down and make sure I set my right foot and then, you know, tap the plate a couple times and then look right at the pitcher. But um, I usually try to find there's like a, a box right where, where he's going to be delivering the ball and I'll, I usually, uh, you know, stare somewhere off and behind him at first until he moves and then kind of lock in on that window and try to pick up the release point. Paul, you mentioned expectations earlier on. How key is it for somebody like you? You mentioned the expectations for a player like you are quite high. People see the powers there, the plate disciplines there, the versatility defensively is there. So how much of a big deal is it for you to know what the expectations are and then try to meet these set expectations mm-hmm. and not hide from them necessarily. Yeah, um, you know, I think I'm probably the biggest critic of myself. I, I expect a lot for myself uh, each day, you know, playing the game. Um, you know, there's a lot of expectations on the Cardinals side, but that's basically play the game hard, and that's what that's what I try to do every day. But, you know, I also expect to produce. That's that's what I want to get paid to do. That's what I think I'm good at, and I can drive. You know, you know, be the guy the Cardinals can look look upon to, uh, you know, be producing in the middle of the order. So, for me, it's about constantly bettering myself as a player so that I can help the club. The St. Louis Cardinals are without a doubt, you know, one of the the higher class organizations in the major leagues, to say the least. And there's something that's thrown out there every now and then: the Cardinals way. Now, Dan and I have our own ideas of what that might mean, but what does that mean to you? I guess the Cardinal Way is just like a, a collection of, um, you know, ideas and also philosophies that, that we put into play. Like, uh, you know, it, it starts with the veterans, the older guys like Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, Matt Carpenter, guys like that that have been around. And they kind of, um, you know, when our younger guys go into camp, I think you see it a lot in spring training is when, you know, those guys kind of take you under their wing. Like, they're not they're not acting above you. They're acting as equals, and they're trying to share their knowledge and their experience. And, and that even goes for the coaches' side. We have legends like Ozzie Smith, Jim Edmonds, guys like that coming back to, you know, because they want to be with the Cardinals. And all that stuff goes into the Cardinal way and to just try to breed leadership and excellence and, and you know, top-tier organization. That's what it's all about. Well, Paul, I'll tell you what, after this whole baseball thing, you might want to get a job in radio because you are segueing us perfectly into the, into the next question we had for you, which is you talk a lot about these veteran players. Has there been anybody in your time, whether it be at spring training or in the past, one of these veteran guys on the Cardinals roster that's kind of taken you under his wing, if you will, and showed you the ropes? Maybe it's not even one guy. Maybe it's a pair. Who knows? Yeah, there's a couple instances. Um, well, uh, Matt Carpenter... Uh, got to rehab with us last year in Springfield while he was uh, trying to get back up to the bigs. Um, you know, he was a guy that 
Um, I talked to a lot in the cage and in the dugout. We'd just be talking about the game. I wanted to hear his thoughts on the pitcher, you know, stuff like that, just kind of asking him questions. And he was completely receptive, telling me everything that he thought and, and even challenging me. And then another instance was last year in my first spring training, I got called up to uh, back up one of the big league games my first day. We were playing the Mets in Port St. Lucie, and uh, during BP, Greg Garcia, uh, utility infielder with them right now, um, kind of came over and introduced himself, went out of his way to tell me how things were going, asking me how I was doing, um, just kind of give me a little uh, tips here and there about, you know, all the little intricacies of the schedule and stuff like that, and, you know, that, I think that goes a long way, and you know, when I get to the point where I want to be in my career, I want to be that guy that can go to one of the younger guys and, and help them out. And, um, you know, just kind of like keep turning over, <laughs> you know, keep turning over these players and there's a never-ending cycle of, of uh, leadership. Uh, you know, of course, they're they're all professional. It's baseball at the time, but of course, there's time for some fun too. We all know that. Paul, come on, give us give us the 411 here who's the prankster you're the young guy out there has anyone pranked you yet or maybe it's you we want to hear all about it oh uh, no um not too many pranks going on i would say uh dexter fowler has brought a, a nice wife to the clubhouse he's a fun loving guy and uh he's trying to i wouldn't say he's trying to make the cardinals like the cubs when he's loosening <laughs> things up and and having fun with us um but i think we uh the minor league side because we're kind of on the other side of the the clubhouse some of the non-roster invites and we mess around because you know we played together all last year um guys like harrison bader austin gomber uh rowan wick guys that i played with all last year we kind of mess around in the the clubhouse but nothing too crazy You're hitting on the camaraderie here now within a clubhouse, and just from my days covering and being around collegiate baseball teams, I want to take you back. I know Sam's going to be happy about this, taking you back to your ISU Redbird days. Uh, You even look at a guy, somebody who sticks out to me, like Dansby Swanson of Vanderbilt. Even on his Twitter account, in his bio, maybe he's changed it recently, I'm not sure, but I want to say as of like a month or so ago, he still had within his bio, hashtag Vandyboy, something he'll always remember from his college days. So I just wonder, is there any sort of ties you still have with ISU baseball over there, some of your teammates that you might keep in touch with or the program? What are some of the ties or connections you still have uh, over there with the Redbirds? Sure. Well, uh, Illinois State has their Redbird for Life um, Redbird for Life network. I have that in my Twitter uh, profile. But, um, yeah, I keep in touch with some of the guys I played with. Um, I'm starting to not know too many guys that are still there since I'm getting farther and farther out from ISU. But, um, you know, I still follow them and watch them, um, follow them on Twitter and stuff, watching their game progress. And every time I get a chance, I, I come to campus and uh, see all the guys that I still know and the coaches. But um, for me, it's about kind of creating that network of um, – you know, for a while there, we were producing a bunch of draft picks, um, and there's plenty of guys, ISU uh, Redbird alums, that are still in pro ball. So I've seen some of those guys um, over the last two seasons in the minors, and, and I'm sure I'll continue to see those guys like Brock Stewart, Eric Aguilera, Chad Hinshaw, Jeremy Rhodes, guys like that, that hopefully will get to play you know, at the highest level against each other or with teammates again. So that's that's always the goal. We're all excited about Redbird Baseball, all of us over here. I know you and I are, but I've got to ask, Paul, before we wrap things up and let you go, um, have you been watching Illinois State basketball at all recently? 
Yes, and the IC basketball is making me real proud to be a Red Bear alum. Um, you know, winning the Valley, uh, I think they got a real chance to win the tournament. And uh, I'm hoping they get in the bracket so I can pick them to go all the way. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to be making my bracket, too. You already know they're going to be in. They're taking down Wichita State. Paul, it's not even a state anyways, right? Come on. It's not a state. It's not a I damn remember state. remember we went to Wichita and swept them. Well, that's what I'm talking about now. That's a good memory. Love to beat Wichita. Absolutely. Well, we'll be we'll be both watching, I'm sure. So, Paul, we really appreciate the time you took with us today. Good luck in spring training. We wish nothing but the best for you, and we cannot wait to watch you in the big leagues. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I had fun. Paul DeYoung right there of the St. Louis Cardinals. We did promise you two things. One, that it was going to be an awesome interview. Two... Well, it wasn't really a promise, but we did say that he is quite the professional, just a classy, classy, classy individual, and absolutely was. And he just really can't get out of a Redbird costume now, can he? No, isn't that the best part? The Redbird well, for you it stayed is. a for, Redbird. For you it is. Yeah, how's about that? I mean, like you said, totally a classy guy. Some of his aunts, I mean, you could tell that he's the kind of player. He is the Cardinals guy. We absolutely. Asked, we asked him what does the Cardinals way mean to him. And his entire answer, he basically just defined himself. You know, let me put it this way. You interview athletes, you interview coaches at whether it be the pro level, collegiate level, independent baseball level, whatever have you. And lots of times, even regardless of the sport, and once again, regardless of the level, you will get cliche answers. That goes for sports, that goes for politics, that goes for your baby mama, your best friend, anything. You will get some cliche answers from time to time. Did we get some cliches with Paul? Yeah, maybe a few here and there, but the way he worded Barely. those cliches was unique. He worded them in unique ways because he knows what to say, he knows how to say it, and he put a little bit of his own personal testimony into it and for that i definitely appreciate that interview if you think i'm just lying for the sake of this podcast then you didn't you didn't listen to the interview enough and you should go back and listen to it because you would have caught that too that some of the answers some were a little expected but he put his own personal testimony into it he put his own personality into it and i'll say it again the kid he could be a radio host when he's done with this because he segued us in he segued us into about what two or three different questions everything we were about to get into we would ask him a question and we already knew exactly what the next one was going to be we were going to follow it up somewhere in chronological order somewhere just kind of piggybacking off what we already asked him but we didn't want to ask him a two or three part question we wanted to break it up but he almost had this sense of where we were going, what road we were trying to travel down, and he was just straightforward with us. And I enjoyed it. It was definitely fun. I'll oh, say that it was It was fantastic. The thing that I like, one of my favorite quotes of all time is that the truth is never a cliche. And Paul was speaking nothing but the truth out there. Every answer, he's very Is that honest. part of your Twitter bio, is, by the way? It should the be. The truth is I'm, never a cliche. Should I'm that gonna, be part of the Diamond in the Rough podcast? The at Diamond podcast actually, Twitter bio? If you really want to know. Let's do that now. If you fun. really want to know, that line comes from a lyric from one of my old favorite bands, The Devil Wears product. Go look it up. Yeah, don't great care. Great band. But anyways. What do you mean? Don't care. Hey, it's a great line. But Paul, like I said, he's a genuine guy. Um, he's out there just 
He loves the game. You could just hear it in his in his voice. He just loves the game of baseball, you know, and that, that it's as simple as that. And those kind of guys that have that kind of love for the game, uh, along with the talent that he has, obviously, and the what looks to be the kind of work ethic he has, clearly he's moving up so fast. I, I would assume so. Um, I'm sure his player, his teammates would vouch for him on that as well. Um, unbelievable. Just un- unbelievable talent coming up in the Cardinals organization. Strictly going off that interview alone, I would say that's the kind of guy who deserves to be there. There's some guys I would assume who are there because maybe they have a love for the game. It's Maybe they don't. There's probably even nuances to the amount of love you can have for the game. I would assume there obviously are. But some guys are probably just there because they're prodigies. Heck, there's a guy like Bryce Harper. And I don't know how much love for the game Bryce Harper has. For all I know, he eats, Make lives. baseball great again. Yeah, Make exactly. baseball great again. But I'm just saying, if you're somebody with that kind of talent, you're going to make it to the major league level whether you really love baseball or not. As long as you at a certain time in your life, at a certain young stage, pick up a bat, pick up a ball, and know that you, learn that you are this prodigy and you can make a lot of money playing the game, then you're going to figure it all out. But what I'm trying to say here is he's the kind of guy who not only does he have the skill set, but he has the love. We're passionate baseball fans here in this podcast, Sam, and that is one thing I really enjoyed. When you mentioned your favorite line, I didn't know that you were going to go into a quote. What I thought you were going to say was the line he said about Dexter Fowler, which was Ah. almost trying to make it into a Cubs-like atmosphere. And I think that that not only says something about Dexter Fowler and what the Cubs clubhouse was like last year, but that also says something about the man who was controlling that clubhouse, which is somebody like Joe Madden. So it's funny that there was a lot of different things I learned from this Paul DeYoung interview, and that was one of them. It's almost like he gave... Joe Madden, a pat on the back there, if you know what I'm saying, because it's Dexter Fowler who came from that kind of clubhouse, who was the man that was the king of the castle and ran the ship, who was the captain. It was Joe Madden, at least from a manager standpoint. But other things we learned, spoke nothing but good things about the Cardinals organization. He made it sound like there was a lot of very respectful veterans there, and I'm definitely not shocked I want, <laughs> at yeah. that. I definitely want to touch upon that. You know, talk about the veterans. He mentioned a lot of different names, a lot of names we we're very familiar with. Uh, we asked him who's the one guy that's really taken him under the wing. He mentioned a few, but the first name he threw out there was Matt Carpenter. Who's that? Yeah, who's that, right? Which is so awesome to hear because, again, going back, you know, you mentioned the Dexter Fowler thing, but then he even brought it back to say, you know, but, you know, mentioned the Cardinals way again with Adam Wainwright um, and Michael Waka and those kind of guys. And like we just mentioned, Matt Carpenter taking him under the wing a little bit, if you will. It's so cool to see these veterans who have been in the league for so many years come to spring training, they show up, and they see these young guys, and they brew them. They help the coaches brew them, because without that, you can't have that kind of click, if you will. You can't have that atmosphere that needs to be there. You can't have that team to go in the playoffs and win the World Series, because you have to have, you want me to throw out a cliche out there, I'm going to right now, you have to be a team. And that's what the St. Louis Cardinals are. The veterans step up, and they be veterans, and they step up as leaders for guys like Paul DeYoung, who's up, who are up and coming, and they see that, they see what this kid's capable of, and they want to get the most out of him for their team. And what did he say at the very end? He said, there's guys like that, like the Matt Carpenter's, who will take you under their wing, and then they're just going to show you the ropes, and they're going to mentor you. And as soon as he mentioned that... He turned around and said, that's exactly the guy I want to be. And he, yep. he, like he said, he repeated what that quote-unquote Cardinals way is, is, hey, 
I want to get to the majors and I want to make it a point to be that guy and I want to make I want to continue this system where it's almost a next man up. Hey, you're in. Let me show you the robes. Boom. Okay, in and out. It's like this production line that does say that says a lot about those guys when a guy like DeYoung himself says, "Yeah, I want to be that guy." That says a lot about those veterans on that team. So clearly there's a great core going on in St. Louis. And let's not forget uh, something that I don't think we've mentioned yet. DeYoung, he's clearly been a player who's been getting better every year. He wasn't drafted out of high school, went to Illinois State, had a good freshman year, but it was his sophomore year where he really stood out. He ended up getting drafted in the 38th round after that year uh, by the Pittsburgh Pirates, actually. Decided to go back to college, which was the smart move, obviously. As we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, get the most out of your college years. Uh, got his degree a little early. Good for him. That's always great to have the education, too. Uh, and then got drafted in the fourth round by the St. Louis Cardinals. And now here he is moving up every single year. And all of a sudden, we're looking at him in Florida in spring training as the next exciting player for the St. Louis Cardinals. We mentioned two things to him. Expectations. Well, he mentioned expectations first. And he was saying how you know the pressure's on and the Cardinals are expecting a lot out of him. And he said that in a very calm and collected way. And we brought up to him, hey, you know, a lot of stuff, the consensus on you is that you have great plate discipline. And it's almost like that calm and collective manner that he had when he was discussing expectations and pressures, it almost is like I could envision him at the plate and being just as cool, calm, and collected. It was like he was writing a book, wasn't it? It's when we asked him about what's the first thing you do when you step in the batter's box, he knew instantly how to answer that question. And like you said, you could just picture it. He's like, I take a step in. I, you know, I click my bat on the plate. I look at the pitcher. I look behind him. He gave us such a detailed explanation yeah, of what he does. Yeah, it was like he was writing a book. Of You're what right. he does of just stepping up in the in the batter's box. And that's what I mean by some answers were, and when I say cliche, I just mean, like you said, there's truth to it because what do you do as a hitter? You know, we asked him a simple question as in, you know, some of the, the questions were obviously simple where, you know, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for something to drive. I'm looking for extra base hits. And Talk that's the right answer. Pitches. But then he puts his own personality into it when he goes into that narrative of, you know what? I'm going in. I'm digging in. I'm tapping my bat. I'm looking this way. I'm looking that way. And then this is my mindset. So he really brought you in to what a player like that, a versatile player like Paul DeYoung is, his, his everyday approach. And he mentioned the grind. He mentioned now how, hey, I'm out here in Florida and it's nice, but I just want to play baseball. So I feel like there's a lot of stuff to kind of dig through with that interview. It, it's probably going to take me at least another listen, even though we just had this interview. It's going to take me a replay or two to really fully grasp all the knowledge that he's given you because there's a lot of things to learn there and a lot of different perspectives coming from somebody who's now at St. Louis Cardinals camp with them over there in Florida. It's definitely going to take multiple listens to to grasp everything that he said because he did throw a lot of detail at us, which is fantastic. He's only 23 years old. He's 23 he's years younger old. younger than me. He's way, I think it's safe to say he's way beyond his years as far as baseball knowledge goes and what he knows, what his role, knowing his role and knowing what he needs to do to be the best he can be. All I could say is that wraps it up for episode nine. And Paul DeYoung, we thank him for def- we definitely thank him for jumping oh, yeah. on we jumping on the podcast. We can't thank him enough. He made it easy for us. He this really was, did. This was absolutely an easy episode to make. We had a few questions lined up for him. We kind of already figured out what some good backup questions would be, or some good. Se- we we had a, we had a plan going in. Let's just put that and. 
blew us away. Yeah, blew us away. It was well executed. It made it made this job of making this podcast super easy. It was fun. We hope when you listened, you had fun. We hope episode ten. Episode I can 10. put up two digits. hands now. Double digits. After we do that episode, which I don't want to get ahead of myself, I'll run out of fingers to keep counting, and that'll close us up. We're closing up shops, and that's it. That's Are you it. sad? I am sad. That was that was such a fun episode. You know, you got like you said, you can't thank the guy enough. Paul DeYoung didn't even hesitate to respond to our message asking him to do an interview with us, even though he's busy in Florida doing spring training, doing big things. You know, maybe, I guess, doing bigger things than us, Dan. You know, whatever. We're This podcast is just as big as being the spring training. And as there we mentioned go. before, you know, we can't... Like the attitude there. Yeah, yeah. Even though uh, the Dime in the Rough podcast bank can't afford to send us down to Florida, uh, we really appreciate the look into it. We do. And if you are sad as well that this episode is ending, you can get more Diamond in the Rough podcast on Twitter at Diamond Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at... Diamond in the Rough Podcast. You can email us at Diamond in the Rough Podcast at gmail.com. All don't, different... don't forget your own Twitter handle now. I want they need to know where they want Dan to talk is. to me. They want to talk to me. All you. right, if you want to find me, I am at Tweet Dan Collins. Tweet Dan Collins, and that's what you should do to him. And I'm at Ostrowski Sam. Just to mix it up, I flipped my last name first and first name last. Great way to mix it up at the end of the show. We'll catch you all the next week.